I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome. It is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you as well today. So nice to have you with us. Senator, uh, I know you're really excited about this idea that was put out there a couple days ago. Entitled in the Atlantic, let's declare a pandemic amnesty and let's focus on the future and fix the problems that we still need to solve I'm not buying it. I'm not going forward. Maybe you want to do this, but I say, uh uh-uh. I have two words in response. Hell no. Look, this is, you know, a leftist writing this article saying, let's just forgive and forget everything that happened on COVID. It's all okay now. And it actually... That article, in turn, was was then tweeted out by Randy Weingarten, who is the you know the head of one of the big teachers unions, and she said, "I agree, we ought to have a COVID amnesty," and and basically what she's saying is, "Okay, look, my policies were an absolute disaster. They hurt tens of millions of kids because I was a shameless partisan hack. I got Democrats and the Biden White House to support school closures." For over a year, we now have national reading scores. We now have national writing score or math scores that our kids' scores have plummeted because Democrats shut down schools, because the teachers union and Randy Weingarten in particular pushed it. We also know that the racial gap, the gap on test scores between black kids and white kids, grew by the largest amount in the last year of any time in history. All of that was predictable, and it wasn't just predictable, it was predicted. Many of us, myself included, were screaming from the mountaintops 
when this was happening. Last year, in the middle of the school shutdowns, I forced vote after vote after vote to try to stop it. I forced a vote on the Senate floor to cut off new funds to schools if they were still shut down. Every single Democrat voted no. Just a couple of months ago, I forced a vote on the Senate floor to stop the District of Columbia schools from enforcing a COVID vaccine mandate, which would result in throwing out of school 20% of the kids and 40% of the African-American kids. Once again, every Democrat voted no. After two years of unbelievably abusive policies and, and abusive policies running the gamut, from shutdowns that destroyed stores and small businesses and jobs to people being fired for making their own choices about whether or not to take the COVID vaccine, to shutting down schools and damaging kids in all likelihood for the rest of their lives with the educational loss that was inflicted. These Democrats now want everyone just forgive and forget, never mind, they ignored welfare. I don't think anyone's willing to do so. And we've talked about why this election is going to be such a big red wave. This is a big part of it. People are furious. People who are not engaged in politics are furious about the policies these petty tyrants put in place that hurt them. And the idea that there should there should be no accountability, that is absolutely wrong. When we take the majority, there needs to be real accountability. I don't want a COVID amnesty. I want everyone who hurt people and did so because of politics. I want them to be held accountable for those decisions. You know, there's some decisions, Senator, that obviously we should learn from, right? Mistakes that were that were genuine mistakes early on in the pandemic that we would learn from. But as you mentioned, many of the mistakes that were made were 100 percent a political decision where people got drunk on power. People decided that their lives and their livelihoods, uh, they should get paid from working from home. They didn't want to educate kids. They didn't look at the harm they were doing to children. And that's the part we should never say, you know, let's just hit pause and move on from. We need to make sure that there's accountability so that never happens again, because even right now, We have seen Democratic candidates running in different parts of the country over the last week who have said they would even remask children. This happened in Florida recently, where one of the Democrats said, hey, I will listen to the scientists. They tell me to remask the kids in the schools. I'll do it. Well, one of the things we learned is is that many of our institutions have become hopelessly politicized and rendered corrupt. You know, you look at someone like Anthony Fauci, who who has described himself, says, I am science. I embody science. When people are criticizing me, they are criticizing science. That, number one, delusional grandeur is really bizarre. But number two, I don't know of an individual in modern times who has done more to lessen the credibility of scientists and doctors and the medical institutions than Anthony Fauci, because he deliberately said things he knew were lies, and he's admitted he knew they were lies. He said at first, masks don't work. Then he said, you got to use them. He went back and forth and back and forth. He insisted, no, the COVID virus was not, did not escape from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. It did not escape from the lab. It was not man-made. Then, oh, well, maybe it did. No, 
the U.S. government did not fund gain-of-function research that, that may well have created the COVID virus in that Chinese lab. Then the NIH puts out, well, yes, we actually did fund that research. The repeated lies and, and also the, the correspondence that has come out between the Biden administration and the teachers' unions, where the teachers' unions were the ones who drove the school shutdown. It wasn't based on studies about infection in kids. It wasn't based on, on fatality rates, which we know that, that, that the COVID virus was much, much, much less serious among kids than it was with the very elderly or people with severe additional health issues. It wasn't science at all. It, it was a political decision. And I got to say, going forward, we're going to need to talk about, you know, we will have some other health crisis at some point in our lifetimes. And, and it could be, you know, last time it was COVID, maybe next time it's, you know, God forbid, something like Ebola or something, something that, you know, really horrific. Our institutions now, I, I don't know what the answer is, how you actually get an institution to focus on science once it's been politicized, and, and, and I think the damage that was done, it, it may be permanent. I worry that it's permanent, Senator, because there's so many people now that if there is something that happens in the future that maybe is less complicated, maybe much more straightforward, are just not going to trust the health officials of the United States government. And the reason why is because the way that they tried to divide this nation into two groups of people. And I want to play a clip of Fauci for, for you in a moment. Before I do that, I want to remind you about our good friends over at Patriot Mobile. If you've got a cell phone, uh, this is one of the coolest companies I'm ever going to tell you about. It is a conservative Christian mobile phone provider that has become a force in the conservative movement. Because every time that you pay your bill, a portion of your bill goes to fund conservative causes and candidates that believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment. And this is where you can have an impact literally every time you use your cell phone. They can also save you money over what you're spending right now. Patriot Mobile use the same cell towers that your phone's using at this exact moment. So you don't have to worry about a coverage issue, nationwide coverage. And every time you make a phone call, you're standing up for what you believe in. Check them out. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. Use the promo code verdict and you will get uh, free activation plus other amazing deals. Whether it's for you, your family, or even your small business or your big business, they can help you save money on your cell phone and make a difference. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict or 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT, promo code VERDICT. Senator, I want you to listen to, and this is just a reminder of how Fauci wanted to divide this country into two groups of people. This was last Christmas. He said this. If someone in your family isn't vaccinated, should you ask them not to show up? Uh, yes, I, I would do that. I mean, I think we're dealing with a, a serious enough situation right now that if there's an unvaccinated person, I would say, I'm very sorry but not this time, maybe another time when this is all over. Senator, that wasn't based in science. That was based in dividing this country into two groups of people. You're either with us and a vaccinated individual that is indoctrinated by the government, or you're an outcast and an outlier in society where you're not welcome. Yeah, look, the, the, these people got drunk on power, and, and, and Fauci was, was the drunkest of all, and, and, and it was whatever he decreed. Now, mind you, we also saw the videos of him 
going to the Nationals game and happily taking his mask off right when he was ordering everyone else, you must wear, wear your mask at all times. Uh, listen, the, the hypocrisy, Senate Democrats routinely behind closed doors when they were insisting everyone must be masked to show their virtue, would take their masks off and they would yuck it up and it was no big deal. You know, I remember, um, I remember going to uh, Bob Dole's funeral and Bob Dole's funeral was in the National Cathedral in D.C., and I went and I was sitting with other senators and I didn't wear my mask because it was idiotic. It was stupid. Um, and I was one of very, very few people who didn't wear their masks. All the other senators, all the D's were ostentatiously wearing their masks. And sadly, most of the Republicans were wearing masks as well. And, and the corporate media had a field day saying, you know, Cruz is endangering the lives of his fellow senators. How dare he do this? Now, here's the ridiculous part, Ben. The senators all rode to that funeral in a bus together. We rode back in a bus together. In the bus, everyone took their masks off, 100%. Every Democrat, every Republican, nobody, not a person had their mask on in the bus. When the bus arrives and their TV cameras, suddenly the senators all dutifully put on their mask. And I'm like, I'm sorry, there is no science that justifies that it is more dangerous in a cathedral where the roof is 70 feet high than it is in a closed-in bus where I'm sitting next to senators, Democrats with no mask. But once a TV camera is there, then the virtue is strong. This was always about power. There's a question that I get asked a lot on the road, and I'm sure you've gotten asked this question a lot. How is it that Dr. Fauci, and I believe, based in facts, that he has clearly lied under oath before Congress on going to function research on Wuhan lab, uh, on different issues like you just mentioned with masking? Uh, some of your colleagues have gone after him, uh, Senator Paul, really hard and believe that he flat out lied to them. Number one, do you believe that he lied? And number two, why is it if he did lie, there's no accountability for lying, especially when you're highest paid uh, member of the United States government? He makes more than the president of the United States of America does. There is no accountability because this Biden administration is fundamentally corrupt and partisan and political. I have repeatedly called on the Department of Justice to appoint a special prosecutor to investigate Anthony Fauci for lying under oath to Congress. He came in and he testified flat out that the federal government did not fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute for Virology, and subsequently the NIH admitted in writing, yes, it did fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The two statements are 180 degrees contradictory, and it is a felony, a federal offense to lie under oath. I, I will say, much to my great frustration, I've never had the opportunity to question Dr. Fauci because none of the committees I sit on, chaired by Democrats, have ever called him in. They don't want him in. So you're right, Rand has had some great back and forth because he's on the health committee, and that's the only committee he testifies before. I very much hope when we have majorities, I hope that he comes before the Judiciary Committee, I hope he comes before the Commerce Committee, and he needs to testify under oath, and I believe he should be investigated, and unless... There is an explanation that is not evident on the face of the words. He should be prosecuted for lying under oath to Congress and to the American people uh, vicariously. And, and I want to be clear. This is one of the things that I think we need to be very, very clear about. 
we're not asking for political revenge. We're asking for accountability for actually breaking the law. And that's the difference between Republicans and Democrats, especially when they're in power, is Democrats abuse their power and want to lock up anybody that was connected to Donald Trump on lies of Russian collusion. All we're saying is there are laws when you raise your right hand, you know that you're under oath, you say you're going to tell the truth, and when you deliberately lie to the United States government uh, and, and to Congress, there should be accountability for that. Well, and, and there's a reason that it is a felony, a federal criminal offense, to lie under oath to Congress. Because when Congress is having a hearing, it's not just senators asking questions because we're kind of curious about some stuff. We are doing so in our constitutional capacity of representing our constituents and, and asking on behalf of our constituents. And, and particularly, look, it's one thing if someone says something by mistake. If you say something by mistake, that's not a crime. You, making an error is not a felony. Um, and it's, it's even another thing if, if someone says something uh, that is wrong, but it's a matter that, that is not of terribly high consequence. In this yeah. instance, the matter on which it, he, it appears that Fauci lied is incredibly consequential. I hope and believe when we have Republican majorities, I want multiple hearings on the origins of the COVID virus, where this came from, what the culpability of the Chinese communist government was. I'll tell you, this pod podcast, the Verdict podcast, early on, right at the beginning of this pandemic, back in like March and April when things got started, we did multiple podcasts laying out the evidence that this had escaped, this virus had escaped from the COVID Institute of Virology. It was at a time when social media was banning anyone who dared say such a thing. I don't know how this podcast ended up escaping that censorship, but this was one of the very few places where you could get that information. Now, subsequently, we learned that not only was that research going on, but that the U.S. government was actively funding it and gain of function research where you take a dangerous virus and you go in and you genetically manipulate it to make it more infectious, to make it more deadly, to, to alter it, to make it a hell of a lot more dangerous. Well, that research is by its nature incredibly dangerous. And if Fauci chose to deliberately lie, he was concealing it from the American people the culpability that he personally might have had in the creation of COVID-19. Now, in discussing this, I've several times said potentially and, and maybe because for it to be a criminal offense, he has a chance to explain it himself. I'm not a scientist, so maybe there is some explanation he can marshal, but on the face of it, the statements are blatantly contradictory. And, and the ridiculous thing is... Merrick Garland and this Department of Justice simply won't enforce the law. They don't care at all. And, and by the way, I will say Fauci did enormous damage under Biden. But let me, let's be clear, Fauci should have been fired in the Trump administration. And it was a mistake of the Trump administration not to fire Fauci early on because he very quickly began abusing his power and the media elevated him. I understand why they didn't, because... The, the, the pandemic the media would have crucified him. Yes. right? I mean, they, the, the real reason why Trump didn't fire him is because 
his advisors saw that the media would absolutely destroy Donald Trump and it would ruin his chances of a, of a reelect, to be honest, because they would say, this is how psycho he is. He fires the guy that's been there for as long, you know, as long as anybody's been in Washington and he's so trusted by the world. How on earth could you possibly get rid of him? Well, and, and I'm sure that was the reasoning. And, and there's some force to that. The media would have done that. Now, I would say they're doing that anyway. And removing him from having the power to inflict harm on millions of Americans would have been the right thing to do. But I think there needs to be accountability, whether accountability for Fauci, whether accountability for the teachers unions, whether accountability for for the the military that 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 fired soldiers and sailors and airmen and Marines who who declined to get the covid vaccine accountability for the Biden administration. These Democrats want to escape accountability for the decisions they made that were knowingly inflicting harm and that they did so for purely political and partisan reasons. I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart to heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception And at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict that's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby i'm hannah storm and my podcast nba dna with hannah storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned a moment ago about you talking about the Wuhan lab and how did it not get silenced or censored by big tech. There's been a bombshell story, and I want everybody that's listening right now to Verdict, please share this podcast with your family and friends. Hit that subscribe or auto-download button so you get our, our, our show three days a week. 
Uh, this is going to be huge. This bombshell report that came out, Senator, is showing that Twitter and Facebook, not only did they have regular meetings with the Department of Homeland Security to discuss censorship, but The Intercept is now reporting that according to a draft copy of the Department of Homeland Security's uh, review, the DHS's capstone report outlining the department's strategy and priorities in the coming years had this listed. The department plans to target, quote, inaccurate information on a wide range of topics, including the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficiency of the COVID-19 vaccines. Also, racial justice, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of the U.S. support to Ukraine. Translation, the Department of Homeland Security basically said, what are the biggest weaknesses of the Democratic Party going into the midterm elections or in the next presidential election? We will go out there to Facebook and to any other big tech company and we'll tell them to silence these stories that make the Democrats look bad. And our tax dollars apparently have been used to do this now for years, dating all the way back to 2016. This office needs to be shuttered. The people in charge of it need to be fired. The Department of Homeland Security is badly, badly off the rails if they believe their job is censoring Americans to prevent them from criticizing the government. The last I checked, we haven't stepped into George Orwell's 1984 yet, but if these guys have any say in it, that's where they want us to go. It is not a thought crime to disagree with the Biden White House. You know, Biden was going to nominate this... uh, loony woman i don't remember her name anymore the one who who was like sang all the time and was this hardcore partisan was going to be in charge of this office of disinformation and empowered to silence you and me and anyone else that she disagreed with she was such a loon that they actually backed off and decided not to appoint her but the fact that this was institutionalized that this was set up as a regular portal for government officials to go to big tech and say, silence this, silence this, silence this, silence this, is incredibly dangerous. This is nowhere in DHS's actual job function of protecting our safety and security from terror attacks. Uh, And interestingly enough, Ben, this also intersects with a topic we discussed uh, over a year ago on this podcast as well which is, as you know, Donald Trump filed a lawsuit uh, against big tech alleging that its censorship violates the First Amendment. Now, the challenge with that lawsuit is the First Amendment does not apply to non-governmental entities. So the First Amendment begins with Congress shall make no law, and the the First Amendment applies to censorship by the federal government or through a doctrine called incorporation by the state or local government, but a private company is not the government. There is, however, a Supreme Court doctrine that has extended that, that says a private entity can be liable for a violation of the First Amendment if it is acting as an instrumentality of the government. In other words, if it is acting at the behest of the government, if it is acting if it is the means by which the government is exercising its censorship powers. 
And what we talked about on the podcast well over a year ago was the email exchanges that came out between Dr. Fauci and Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and owner of Facebook at the time, where Fauci was asking Zuckerberg to take things down from Facebook and to block them. And it actually, it's the same topics we're talking about. One of the things that he was asking Facebook to take down was discussions about the origins of COVID-19. So not only was he not furthering the interest of science of knowing where, in fact, this disease came from, he was actively stifling science, fighting science, saying, no, we don't want any discussions of that. And Zuckerberg saluted and said, sir, yes, sir, happy to help. And, and I noted on this podcast over a year ago that that email exchange made Trump's lawsuit much, much stronger and would feed centrally into the argument that Facebook was acting as an instrumentality of the government. We subsequently learned that the FBI requested of Facebook and Twitter that they block stories about Hunter Biden's laptop right before the election. Again, that that was done at the behest of the government, government censorship. We now know those stories were true. So you literally had big tech censoring and silencing true stories that were politically harmful and inconvenient to the Democrats at the behest of the deep state. And now this latest piece, Ben, that you just referred to, which is this process was institutionalized with a formal portal and, and a much broader ambit where, where some of the stuff like now, you know, disagreeing with Joe Biden and the Democrats on Ukraine, now that is subject to censorship at the request of the government, disagreeing with the catastrophe of Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan and surrender to the Taliban. Now, apparently, that is subject to censorship. This is, it, you're right, this is a big, big story. It is, it is a topic I can promise you, when we have majorities next year, will be front and center for congressional hearings. And if there was one Democrat in Congress who gives a flip about free speech, he or she ought to be outraged at this. And sadly, my prediction is that Democrat doesn't exist, at least doesn't exist in the United States Senate. No Democrat anymore in the Senate cares one whit about the threat to free speech from government censorship. You know, even getting rid of the senator, the lady who's supposed to be the, you know, the disinformation chief, right? The, 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 tr- the, 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 the decider of, of what is real and what is not in the U.S. government. Obviously, we finally got rid of her. But behind the scenes, this is clearly still going on. And from this new report, it says, quote, there is a formalized process now, and it's been there apparently for years, for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suppressed through a special Facebook portal portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. At the time of writing, the content request system at Facebook was still live. DHS and, and Meta, who, the new name of Facebook, did not respond to requests for comment. And the FBI has also declined to comment on this because they're the ones that basically asked to be setting it up. But what we do know is in a March meeting, an FBI official warned that the threat of subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. Therefore, they need to have this there. Something else that's very weird, and I want to get your take on this, is at this meeting, 
that happened in March with this FBI officials warning of this threat of this information, right? This submersive information that could, quote, undermine support for the U.S. government in attendance were senior executives center from not only Twitter, but also J.P. Morgan Chase. Why would a, a, a financial institution like J.P. Morgan Chase be in on this type of meeting? That scares the hell out of, I think, a lot of people that have bank accounts with J.P. Morgan Chase or financial accounts with them. Well, we are unfortunately seeing corporate America more and more becoming the enforcers for the woke left. And we're seeing that with the Fortune 100. We're seeing that with, with big banks where they're trying to cut off customers that they disagree with their politics, whether they happen to be a gun store uh, and and supporting the, our Second Amendment rights or, or whether they happen to, to, to have political views that are out of favor with the current White House. And, and I think the left is all about power and using power to extort, to force you to comply. And, and, and I will say it is deeply concerning. Look, when we talk about energy, Wall Street plays a big part in cutting off the cash for U.S. energy production, and they do so at the active urging and at the behest of the Biden administration, whether it's the banking regulators or the SEC, we're seeing these Green New Deal radicals trying to cut off all the debt they can and all the equity they can for new oil and gas production. They're doing this on multiple fronts because if they can't get it through legislation, they're willing to use power and power over your livelihood, power over your ability to earn revenue. If it's demonetizing a, a, a tech platform or power over your ability to, to, to have banking services. And all of that, I think, is a complete abuse of power. Uh, ever since you went on The View, they seem to have really been unhinged by your appearance, Senator. And now Sonny Hostin on The View has uh, said something today that I think is racist. Uh, I think it's disgusting. She equated white suburban women Republican voters as roaches. I want to play this for everybody. This was a real conversation on The View. Republicans, but what's also surprising to me is the abortion issue. Um, I read a, a poll just yesterday that white Republican suburban women are now going to vote Republican. Why? It's almost like roaches voting for raid, right? It's, it's I think like that's they're insulting. voting. No, it's insulting they're voting to the against, voter. They're we, voting we, no, against no, no. their own self interest. Do they want to live in Gilead? Okay, do so do we love it in the hands? Do we love tail? democracy or not? Because just saying that it's it's insulting to the voter. People make up decisions on what's right for their family, and the idea that well, the you should have a say. I mean, uh, Senator, when you equate white Republican suburban women voters as roaches voting for raid, not only I think is that a bigot and racist statement, but the fact that it's still not been condemned by anybody on ABC or The View, uh, th this is even a new low for them. Well, I guess it's the new war on women. Um, look, The View, they are all rich. They are all hard leftists. And they are utterly out of touch with people in this country. Sonny, unfortunately, says nasty, offensive, insulting things on a daily basis. Uh, but if you look at this comment, so she's saying, all right, if you're a woman 
you're not allowed to be concerned about inflation that you can't afford to put food on the table anymore. You can't afford to fill your car, your truck, or your minivan. Uh, you can't afford to pay your bills. You're not allowed to be concerned about crime, even though you and your family are at greater risk and you're seeing outside your door, perhaps, crime rates going up and up and up. You're not allowed to be worried about that. You're not allowed to be worried about nearly 5 million illegal immigrants in in under Joe Biden coming in and over 100,000 fentanyl overdoses. Nope, nope, you're not a woman if you're worried about the people, your kids dying of a drug overdose. That's that's your woman card is revoked, according to Sonny and, and the elite leftists. The only thing you are allowed to care about if you're a woman, according to The View, is you must be an abortion maximalist. You must believe that abortion should be legal in every instance, no matter what, up until the ninth month of pregnancy, anything else be damned. And that has to be the only thing you care about. That, look, there's a reason why across the country, we talked about on the last podcast, that suburban women have moved 26 points away from Democrats and towards Republicans because... The policies coming from Democrats are hurting suburban women, they're hurting suburban men, they're hurting, they're hurting just about everybody. And the approach of the Democrats is not, oh yeah, I can see how not being able to pay your bills and provide for your family and keep your kids safe would be a problem. Maybe we should do something about it. No, what do they do? They insult you. You're a cockroach. That's their answer. You're a cockroach unless you obey us. Now, look, Personally, I, I think the, the, the Democratic National Committee ought to take Sonny's comments and, and pay to run them on every TV station in America, because I think that's really a great political strategy. Just call the voters you want to get, call them all cockroaches, and, and that they'll clearly um, understand that you have their best interest in mind and, and vote to keep you in power for that. You know, it's, it's amazing, I think, how bad the closing argument has been for Democrats. You saw the president give his speech in prime time. Uh, this was something that obviously was very important uh, to the president. They, they said to come out and kind of give this closing argument. There were a lot of lies in that closing argument. Make no mistake about it. Him claiming that the deficit's drastically down. Him claiming that people are better off now than they ever were before. But even Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, uh, said that, that Biden, his speech last night was, quote, a final warning. Take a listen. The president decided a few days ago that it was important to uh, uh, issue one final warning on this issue to make very clear, to leave no doubt, uh, that we have people out there still peddling the big lie. People uh, uh, now raising the issue of election denial in this election. I mean, he's still going back to January 6th, obviously. He's still going back to election denial and trying to make the entire election about something from several years ago. This was a terrible closing argument for him, which is the reason why I think a massive red wave is coming. New Herschel Walker numbers have just come out. Walker is leading the Democrat, Raphael Warnock, now over the 50% threshold, which is needed. You and I talked about not wanting to have a runoff there, uh, which is very important. And now look at where we are. Well, listen, I will say in defense of the Biden White House, they demonstrated that they are capable of learning, uh, that they did one thing right. Uh, which is from their previous speech. This time they didn't 
bathe Biden in red light and have him do his impression of the Emperor Palpatine from from Star Wars. So, yeah, I guess that's an improvement that 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 that, that they, you know, avoided, you know, actually the Palpatine lighting would have been better if they had Kamala Harris just laughing in the background. <laughs> I mean, her cackle would have made it really frightening or but look, for a closing argument, Nationally, if you look at the polling, the number one issue in the country is inflation. What did Biden say about inflation? Not a damn word. The number two issue in the country is crime. What did Biden say about crime? Not a damn word. The number three issue in the country is illegal immigration. What did Biden say about illegal immigration? Not a damn word. Instead, what did he do? To use Ron Klain's language, he gave one final warning. Look, this is Biden doing the same thing Sonny did, calling the voters cockroaches. And it's a really troubling shift in political rhetoric. It is not uncommon for politicians to attack each other. Biden attacks me frequently. Um, it's not uncommon. We shouldn't be surprised that, that Biden calls Trump an SOB and that Trump calls Biden an SOB. That, that, as long as we've had elections, one candidate has said nasty things about the other candidate. That, that's to be expected. What is new is demonizing the voters. You know, the Palpatine speech, where Biden stood up and said half of America, anyone who voted for Donald Trump, anyone who voted Republican, is a semi-fascist. Normally, you don't go after the voters. You don't attack the voters. You may attack your opponent. My opponent's a big jerk. But, but it is a strange new threshold where the voters are the bad guys, and that's what Sonny was saying. If you vote, you're a cockroach. You're a semi-fascist cockroach. Um, you know, Kathy Hockle, the, the Democrat governor of New York, her comment a couple of months ago where she said, if you vote Republican, if you vote for Trump, get out of the state. You're not a New Yorker. I mean, that's a bizarre statement. I, I don't know of – look, I've been actively – following politics pretty much my entire life i i literally do not know of another analog of any elected official telling a big chunk of his or her voters get the hell out you do not belong in my state listen i say this as a person who is elected to represent 30 million texans there are a lot of liberal Texans. There are a lot of Democrats. There are millions of Democrats in the state of Texas. Thankfully, there are more Republicans. But I represent both. The the liberal Democrats in Texas, it's my job to represent them. Now, that, that doesn't mean that I agree with them on every issue. That's why we have elections. I lay out what I believe, and the voters can decide if they want a representative that, that follows through on those beliefs. But it is my job every day, Ben, to fight for the rights of the Democrats in Texas, fight for their liberties, fight for their free speech, fight for their religious liberty, fight for their safety, fight for their security, fight for their ability to educate their kids, fight for their ability to be able to get a good job. All of that, that is my job. I cannot imagine saying what the Democrats are saying, which is you people are cockroaches, get out of the state. If you don't agree with me, if you don't comply, you are otherized and, and, you know, this goes back to Dr. Fauci, and you're not welcome to come to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner either. 
Yeah, it is truly shocking that this was their closing argument, but it is their closing argument. Senator, uh, that we'll have one more show before Election Day. want to let you know we're going to be doing a live show on Election Night, so make sure you plan for that. Uh, you'll be able to, uh, to listen to that. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, don't forget to tell your family and friends about Verdict. Hit that subscribe or auto-download button. And we'll have one more episode that will drop on Monday before Election Day. So make sure you listen to that. And we will see you back there, uh, back here on Monday. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.